Hey there. Hey there. Like you made it just in time. I just got into the seat and I put my headphones on. Hey. Are you ready for takeoff? I'm ready. We can do this. <laughs> Here we go. Um, How are you? Well, I'm really good. Congratulations on making it back to uh, the East Coast, to the motherland in one piece. Thank you. You may notice I have a completely different background now. Um, yeah. if, if you're watching there in your in your own personal quarantines out there all across the country, I'm in quarantine at my mom's house now. Um, uh, it's really fun because I get to order her around and say, woman, bring me another cookie. Um, it actually doesn't work. I, I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not <laughs> going to say a word. Well, she's in the other room watching the show right now. So Is she watching? She should she just be like watching. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Yeah, she's right she's in the other room. Right That's but the we're, we're quarantining. Well, I'm so happy that uh, obviously that you made it across the country in one piece and uh, survived that whole thing. It was daunting. You know, and we'll get into this movie. Uh, we'll talk about this movie uh, in a little bit. It's a very dark movie. Very dark. Yeah. Uh, and yet, after a week of traveling across this country during a pandemic, it, it sort of lightened things up for me a little bit. It was a breath of fresh air. It was a breath of fresh air after like traveling across the country. Somebody opened a window and it was springtime. Yeah. I... Uh, I was going through some parts of the country that um, you don't really need to see. Um, and and people were aware that I was not from those parts of the country as I was traveling through. Okay. You, you know, I did, is it your plan to lose listeners that, that come from all over? Is that yeah, I didn't quite fit in in a lot of the places that I was stopping. Okay. I'd go into a gas station and I would, you know, be paying for my gas and they would um, they would comment, you know, on my license plate and that I was not from those parts. And and I would respond. What business is it of yours? Where I'm from. Friendo. <laughs> so, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting trip. What can I tell you? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I hope uh, that, uh, I, well, I, I hope you were Anton Chigurh in this scenario. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm very yeah. glad about that. Yeah, that's um, me. Me and Anton, we're like yeah. this. Uh, yeah, what a crazy time to be making a, a, a trek across the, the United States of America. What, now, had you ever driven across the whole time, the whole thing before? I had. I drove uh, once uh, across the other way, and uh, interestingly, it was not during a pandemic. Really? Yeah. Wow, uh, what was that like? It was right after I graduated from college, and uh, I did not have to fear for my life when I was getting out of the car and pumping gas and trying to eat in a restaurant. Right. Um and by fear for my life, I'm not talking about the regions of the country. I'm just talking about a lot of the country is not masking up or gloving up at all. And coming from California and being in, from New York, that's what we're all everybody here. Everybody does that, so yeah. it's odd to, yeah. when you're not around it. Yeah, I, I was getting looks and mm -hmm. uh, uh, I uh, in fact, the first place I stopped in to eat. I walked in and nobody 
nobody shoulder to shoulder at the counter no mask no nothing uh-huh. and the, and the staff as well so um well you know um i uh i mask up i uh i use i, I wear one yeah um but i'm in i'm in new york and we got hit hard really early and we got used to it really fast i guess that we have to do something we got hit so early so hard that i think uh people just got used to doing it you know um but uh yeah i wouldn't want to be anywhere where there's no masks i think uh i believe that viruses are are dangerous for your health science I i had an interesting conversation today with my contact tracer i didn't know you were in art class that's right yeah that's um no now that uh, i'm in new york and i had to fill out the form online saying that i was coming and that i was going to quarantine for 14 days and i got a call today from uh, a really nice fella um who uh hopefully is going to join in and, and watch the show tonight uh, i told him about the show uh and we went over all the the protocols of the quarantine and he said that i knew what i was doing but here's the thing that people might not know which is i thought really interesting because a lot of times i'm here you hear from people stuff like oh you know quarantine government big brother telling you what to do Uh, i don't want to do that um when we were done going over what i'm supposed to do and he was asking me the questions about my compliance he then said, okay, so it sounds like, you know, you're really on top of it. And uh, do you need anything? And I said, what? He said, do you, do you need anything? Are you okay for food? Do you have your prescriptions that you need? Do you, do you need prescriptions wow. delivered or help with food delivery? So it, the, the government, it, 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 at least in New York State, the way they're running it is it's not just looking at you saying, oh, you've got to comply and do what you're supposed to do. It really is we need to keep everybody healthy. We need to keep you healthy. We need to keep everybody else healthy. We need you to stay inside to protect everybody else. But what can we do to help you? And I, nice I didn't expect that. And that was really kind of... Um, That's really nice to know. Wow. Yeah. And they are going to check in with me every day, too, right. to check on my symptoms, but also to see if I need anything. He said, we're going to stay right. in touch. Right. So if you need anything, you let us know. So he said, uh, so do you need anything? And you were like, yeah, I need, there's some stuff I need. And he said, okay, well, you better get to it. <laughs> if I'm like the president, what are you talking to me for? That's right. Well, speaking of getting to it. Uh, uh, maybe we should there talk a, about- was there a topic that we were going to cover tonight? There was some kind of a topic. Oh, a movie. A, there was a movie we were going to talk about. There was a movie. Yeah. Uh, King of New York. King of New York. King of New York, um, 1990, directed by Abel Ferrara, uh, written by Nicholas St. John, starring Christopher Walken, and and really, this time, everybody else. I don't think there's an actor from New York that didn't make it except for you or I into this film. Yeah. Such, it's, I mean, it's really an incredible cast of great actors. Lawrence Fishburne, Wesley Snipes, Victor Argo, Giancarlo Esposito, Paul Calderon, Steve Buscemi, Roger Guinevere Smith, David Caruso, which is an interesting 
thing we can talk about. I yep. can't believe this cast of people. And I'd seen the movie before and I'd forgotten. I forgot Buscemi, Buscemi was in it. I'd, I'd forgotten that. So yep. I refer to him as surprised. David Cruz. He's simply a gesture now. You can't David, say the name. Yeah, you yeah. just you don't say David Cruz, so you just do. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, understood. Uh, in, in the industry, that's understood. <laughs> that's actually legal signature. <laughs> in fact, it's trademarked and other actors are not allowed to take their sunglasses off in a scene. You have to be wearing sunglasses and they can cut away and come back and you're not wearing it's your sunglasses. It's fine. It's just that you have to do it two-handed. You have to take it take the glasses off with two hands. Or or you can do uh, what Jay Wiggum did in home in homecoming which you did he had oh, the, glasses, yeah. the, the, the glasses that un, un in the front yeah he was so good in that oh he man. was fantastic that was amazing he was so good um so anyway this movie is king of new york i i, I had i saw it i think like on a blockbuster video rental back around when it came out wow didn't see it in the theater Probably wasn't old enough to see this one in the theater when it came out. No, I was, but it's spicy. Um, did you see this in the theater? I did see it in the theater. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And and you know who, who we were all talking about when we came out of this movie? Let me think about that for a second. Who were you? You were all talking about Caruso. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was talking about David Caruso after this huh. movie. I... I'm going to ask this question now, and we can ask it again at the end of the show, but I have it written down. And my question is, is David Caruso the weak link of this movie? In today's, with today's lens, I think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that it occurred to me that he might, might be. <laughs> okay yeah he might be i mean I, he's he's great in it and i get why people talked about him yeah he is great in but it. in a movie that is so full of ridiculously perfectly great character performances yeah i'm wondering it's worth the, it's a question it's a question i had no, i don't know the answer if you were to see this today for the first time who would you walk out talking? I know who I would walk out talking about. Well, let's just say, let's just say what has to be said because there's something in the room here that if it, that this is one of my favorite walk-in performances. Okay. So there's, I don't know what I mean. There's that. I, I well, there's that. Yeah, but walk-in, walk-ins like a force of nature and but yeah. and he's the star of the movie and the poster. All of the and other all. folks of all of the other folks, if you didn't know them. Okay, what I'm gonna say hurts because I wanna I want because I, I don't wanna say there's a several people I wanna say. Yeah. But there's something about Vic Argo in this movie that killed me this time. And I, I think that he's the guy for me for like the character actors. But I mean Fishburne is doing stuff that he never did in a movie before or since, and he's an yeah. incredible character. Fishburne knocks me out it's in he's your top of the he's yeah. your yeah i mean yeah. Fishburne is really the performance that fishburn 
to me, the performance he gives to me reads like, oh, they just went out and found that guy who had never acted before, but that's like, sure. like when they get a biker in a movie who's a real yeah. biker. I could say the same about Vic Argo, though. And it's just a subtler version of it. Yeah. Because he's a cop. He's a New York cop. Like, you, I mean, that guy yeah. is, is the real thing. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne uh, is, he's really kind of also a force of nature. And up against Chris, Chris Walken's performance, which is Walken in 1990, like at prime time Walken, like when he'd already become a household name, but he wasn't, you know, it, it, he was still young enough to be playing leading man roles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, to try to go big against that, that's some courageous acting. And Fishburne pulls it off so well. I know there's particularly a scene that you mentioned that you like of his. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I mean, there's just, there's just so much going for it. It's weird to say this about a movie that's this dark and kind of well, maybe nihilistic. Although I don't think it is nihilistic, actually. Um, but it's violent and just about really terrible people for the most part, you know, really compromised people. Is how much heart the movie's got. You know, it's actually full of heart in a yeah, weird way. Full of heart and it's it's deeply complicated morally. Yeah. Um, so okay, should we drop the trailer and just like see the trailer so we can get like a reference point for it? Yeah. Absolutely. More about it. Jump in on the trailer so that people can have a little bit of knowledge about what the heck we are talking about. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, his choice to cry during that monologue that you see a little bit at the end there is like one of the most perverse, amazing acting choices i've i've ever seen god he was he's incredible Walking yeah just, just it's incredible i i don't know what to say uh it's weird because that trailer as fun as it is makes it look and feel a little bit more like a straight to video cheap shoot em up than it than it actually yeah. is yeah it's, it's a much more well-crafted movie than than that looks like um i think um and it doesn't have that Miami Vice kind of soundtrack either. It's got really interesting music and really uh, interesting music. And the 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 music, uh, the music actually to me reflects a lot of morally what the movie is getting into. Oh, interesting. Tell me, tell, tell me about that. I didn't pick up on that. Well, at, at the at the the beginning of the movie, all of the stuff with whenever we see Frank, it's Vivaldi. And then it's cutting to the the street mm -hmm. of New York and the the rap music and right. the whole idea of this guy as as twisted in some ways. It, it, I said to mom, I said, "What's interesting is it's about a really horrible person, dark, horrible killer, who is the best person in the movie." Yeah, quite possibly the best person that he. Uh, I mean, other than Victor Argo, Argo's maybe the, his counter counterpart. Counterpart, you know. But they're both they're both surrounded. You know, they're 
in the way that Victor Argo, we end up finding out, is surrounded by corrupt cops who are willing to do the wrong thing. And then you've got you've got uh, Walken who comes from Argo comes from the the law side of it, and is and they're all willing to do the wrong thing for their and and Walken comes from the the quote evil side of it, but he wants to do something good. Well, this is a good time to explain quickly a synopsis of the movie because yeah. that's really pertinent, but. People might get a little confused unless we say it's basic. It's a very basic kind of gangster. Um, and Bet Bowles has something to say. I love Fishburne in this. And this might really have been one of his first jobs post Pee Wee's Playhouse, which really is weird. Yeah. Yes, that's very true. Weird. I think it was, uh, he did Pee Wee's play, Playhouse job. Uh, he had one gig between this and that. He was which Cowboy, what was he he was, Cowboy, um, Cowboy Carl? Or I forget. The, let's see. I can find out. Lawrence Fishburne. He was the cowboy is, character. He was the cowboy character. I just forget the guy's name. Yeah. Um, someone's going to beat me to it. Oh, Christmas. Uh, cowboy Curtis. Cowboy Curtis. Curtis. And then, uh, and then he did one other project, and then he did this. So <laughs> his range is really amazing. It's amazing. Um, so this movie is about uh, a gangster who was, who was Christopher Walken's character who was put in jail about 20 years before this movie starts. And the movie starts when he's getting out of prison. So he gets out of Sing Sing. That was Sing Sing, I believe. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie. And he and he uh, gets out of there and is immediately picked up by a limousine. So we're like, oh, okay. He's still got some friends or he's still connected. He's got a little juice. So they, he goes back to the city, and you realize that he actually is completely set up, that he left things fine for himself when he gets out. And he kind of starts business up again. And the movie's about him uh, basically trying to take over all the gangland territory. But he has an ulterior motive, because something's happened to him in prison, we get the feeling. He's had some kind of conscience, even though he's kind of a psychotic killer in this movie. He wants to uh, build a hospital in a in a disenfranchised neighborhood in new york where we get the feeling he might be from or has some kind of connection to and he wants uh, to run for mayor and he wants to run from where which you think is a joke for a while and then it actually turns out that he's serious yeah um so but he is legitimately crazy crazy christopher walken killer man like so you have these two great counterparts going on um and so that's the story, and it it really does uh, it's very dedicated to the noir and the gangster film. Uh, that's the thing I right. so in love with about it. And then but, it jumps back and forth between these two very different worlds. That he can be in a room with with half naked hookers and you know people snorting you know piles of drugs off of tables. Yeah. And he's just on the phone conducting business. And then he's in the plaza or at a fancy dinner with politicians or walking into what is probably one of the high power restaurants in New York with politicians and celebrities. Who and he knows all of them. What? And he knows all of them. 
and they all yeah or they're pointing and waving or trying to get his attention so he straddles these worlds and 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 to jump in uh, uh pete hamill he has dinner with Hamill, who's very sadly passed away just a couple of weeks ago. That's right. But there, there was, you know, um, perhaps nobody more symbolic of New York at that time. Right, right. Uh, conscience or voice, not conscious, but voice of the city mm -hmm. as a journalist than Pete Hamill. So to be dining with Pete Hamill at that time at his table as a buddy... Yeah you're you're on the in you're on the inside yeah without doing a lot of explaining about who this character is actually doing no explaining like you don't really learn anything about walken's character no no frank, idea where he's from frank white is that his name yeah i think his name is frank well you don't really learn anything about frank white except through his actions which is such brilliant filmmaking unable for ira's part yeah you really don't learn anything but you know everything about him right um and there's no exposition there's no just exposition. almost none but you really do understand more about this world and more about these characters than you would in almost any other movie of its time about new york gang stuff or cop stuff yeah i was really really struck by the how they um how they handled how he recruited how, how they showed you how he set up his empire and how he did it through kind of almost being a humanitarian in this strange way there's a clip that i have that's my favorite scene i think in the movie or the one that i remember the most when uh -huh. i all these years um i don't know if you want to drop it now but it's the subway sure. should i hit it uh in a second he's just got he's gotten out of jail pretty recently yeah. We haven't really seen what he's capable of, but we know he's a dangerous, dangerous man yeah. who, for some reason, is he's very wealthy, but he decides he can ride the subway as well. So he's like, he's got all these weird dichotomies about him. And he has this, goes on, goes out to dinner, I think it's his first night back, and he's with this woman who's his lover and kind of his lawyer lover also yeah. on the train together, yeah. very late at night. And that fancy restaurant with Pete Hamill and the politicians. And he says, I want to take you on the subway. And we know that Christopher Walken, this very refined looking, you know, Italian suits, uh, styled hair, crazy Christopher Walken styled hair and, and everything. His, his crew are all very street people. They're very tough. They're not sophisticated looking. They're not like people that you'd expect to see at the plaza. Well, and that there's that race element too. They're they're almost all African American, and the cops bring that up. They're like, we didn't, yeah, you know, well, no, the Italian, the, the Italian, the, the, the mafia guy brings it up. Yeah, he doesn't appreciate the fact that he works with um, black enforcers, basically. Yeah, and his most of his crew are black, but they're also very they're very like street. They're they're kind of like the droogs in Clockwork Orange. They're not. Yeah. They're not refined. They're very violent. They're very funny and very extreme, you know, yeah. and uh, they don't have any of that refinement that he has. But anyway, you see him this night on the train. And this happens and you figure out a lot of things really a lot fast. of things about him. Here we go.
cards in your wallet, blood. Whoa. by the Plaza Hotel. I got work for you. As for Frank White. I have so much respect for that kind of filmmaking. That's yeah. such there's no there's there's no dialogue really. There's a few lines. And there's so much going on yeah. and you see everything about how he, what he feels about you know people who who are hungry and on the take he sees he sees these he sees people who in any other movie this would be like some vigilante moment and you're right. kind of waiting for that and you're thinking oh bernie gets and it's going to be like some hackneyed you know kind of distasteful shoot him up and this incredible respect happens in in that subway car that kid who plays who plays the leader of that gang is fantastic in that moment a great yeah. example of like you don't have to talk to really make a huge impression huge impression but we don't see those kids again do we not ever i, I don't think, i don't think we see them again and what i thought was really interesting was that i felt like even that established him because those kids are they're they're tough but they're not larry fishburne well they're clearly they're clearly not violent people they don't hurt them yeah. they ask for the money they ask right? for the money and they when, they, when they go them. away i feel like they don't show up again because they probably got to the next car with that money and their attitude they're like, we got out of there that, alive that dude was crazy and we could have yeah. gotten killed and we don't yeah. want to have anything to do with it. like maybe they went straight after that i mean my, my my dream in my head is that they went and had a really interesting conversation that night about what they should do yeah and i'd like to i'd like to see the movie about them the three guys going off to talk about whether they should go to the let's use this money and open up a clothing store somewhere yeah. and, and i'm gonna start writing that unless somebody else does or <laughs> for hours listening wants to sue me but i think that would be a really great great movie yeah. um and actually have christopher walken recreate that scene just for that one scene in this movie he's still that crazy why not he could do it yeah. i have um, to just divert for one second and tell my my embarrassing christopher walken story oh you have you have one it doesn't reflect well on me um what this is this is something i can't wait to hear no, it, I don't even remember what it was I said, but it was, you know, it was two o'clock in the morning. I was visiting dad on the set of, uh, of, uh, uh, I don't even remember the name of the movie. Stand Up Guys? That was a movie. Yeah. That they did together. Yeah. Then that, then that was it. It was the only movie they did together. You did some research. I'm glad to know you did a little research before the show <laughs> tonight. <laughs> yeah but, and uh and i think i i think i made a bad joke like because you know it was 
dad and it was Christopher Walken. And I, you know, really wanted to get a, a laugh or something. Yeah. And, and he, I don't remember exactly what it was he said in response to it, but he didn't just let it go. Mm. He said something like that, like that's what you're going to lead with or so, something like that. It wasn't that, but it was something that, and I was just like, okay. He didn't let you off the hook. No, he did no. not let me off the hook. And you don't remember what it was you said. No, but it, but it was one of those things where as it comes out of your mouth, you, you think to yourself, oh, I'm pushing. Yeah, I'm here. I'm trying too hard. I'm trying too hard. They're going to notice that I'm really and, trying. And they did. And mm -hmm. they did. Let, and he didn't let me go. Right. That's why I never say anything. I just don't say anything. Just, just keep your yap shut. Yeah. So people yeah. just think I'm either really bored or really not very smart. Yeah. One, like one of the two. Which both of I might not be very smart. That's <laughs> on the table. Um. So uh, I met I. I had a, a strange Christopher Walken moment, but it wasn't, nothing happened because I didn't say anything. Um, You're smart. You know, it's strange. If you, have a, if you have a dad that you that you get along with and you love and you go visit when he goes, does his work. Yeah. And your dad is an actor. You, you meet strange people you wouldn't think you'd meet. In the middle of the night. I mean, it's not like I got cast to work with Christopher Walken. That didn't happen. No. But I got to, I remember going to some like award ceremony for, for, stand-up guys i'm guessing and uh i was in no, a, a it was not an award ceremony for stand-up guys i can pretty much it was a it was a festival it was like a premiere maybe it was the premiere or yeah. something I there were know. no award ceremonies for stand-up guys yeah you're right <laughs> you're, you're right um but i was in uh i was like in a back freight elevator of this weird museum that they were showing it in with with dad and Chris Walken and and Al Pacino and and other people and it was it was I remember just being extremely awkward. Everybody was nervous and didn't want to be there. Um, but they, they were very nice. I don't want to imply they weren't. Christopher Walken was very very nice, and I remember Dad really loving working with him. You know, yeah, he loved it. He had a great time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he doesn't always have a great time, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about this at all? Because I do. I have I have little trivial things that pop up here and there. You have more the more important stuff. I, I mean, we can talk about Nosferatu. Well, that was a big thing I wanted to talk about, and it ties into like the how how truly dedicated to noir and gangster films this this movie is like the history of it it, mm -hmm. it, it Abel Ferrara knows his stuff and he was a great he's still a great filmmaker I mean he's a he's a classic New York uh tough guy streets of New York filmmaker you know indie films from here um going back to the 70s and he was um he made really violent crazy B grindhouse movies you know Driller Killer and Miss 45 and a lot of really famous cult stuff. And this was, I want to say this was like his first real classy project he got to do, like with, with a budget and, and you know, with the incredible cast of up and coming talent and, and walk in, you know, I mean, I think this must have been a really big deal for Abel Ferrara. And he just knows his stuff 
about this genre. I mean, it hits so many of the things that, I mean, there's a weird thing about this that's similar to Silverado, but it does it in a completely different way than Silverado did. Because Silverado, it's, I loved it. But every time it did something that you'd seen before, it went, eh, it did a little bit of like, hey, you right. see this. In King of New York, you've got James Cagney stuff. You've got, you've got Bogart stuff. You've got stuff from the 20s all the way up through the history of noir and the gangster movie. But Do it's I so need to make another list? <laughs> you, you hear another list coming. Yeah, almost. <laughs> it's harder to do because it's so infused and it's so well. He's hiding all the stuff he's paying homage to like really well. Right. Um, but what was really interesting was the thing that he added to this, which was this Nosferatu thing. Now, both of us picked up on it. Please tell me what you got out of that, because it's a big part of this movie to me. Well, the first the first question that popped into my mind, not that I, I, I didn't think, obviously, that that Frank White was a vampire, but I, I did wonder. I, I'm pretty sure that at the time at that moment, we had not seen him in the daytime yet. That Fair. he had only been seen at night. And I wondered if they were going to keep that going thematically that he just to just as a. As, as a theme, not not hmm. not saying he's a vampire, but but saying he is a creature of darkness, um, which he obviously is. Uh, well, you but the, it goes beyond that, though, because because what is uh, what is the vampire, particularly from that Nosferatu period, was he was somebody who arrives arrives on the scene. Yeah. Nowhere, yeah. Which, basically like him rising out of the crypt is coming out of jail and kind of jail. Right. getting to back to the Island of Manhattan is like him arriving in England off the boat Dracula, yeah. you know, or Nosferatu coming to what was it? Holland in the original Nosferatu, I think. Right. And, um, the, the, the way that he, the way that he captures the minds of those kids on the subway. Right. To me is like, there's something very much the way that Nosferatu was able to look at his victims and entrance them and get them to do his bidding or whatever he wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Um, walking. And the reason this all comes up is because in the movie, um, uh, who is it that goes to the, um, to the Chinese gang leaders? Paul uh, Calderon. Paul Calderon. Right. Who's Go kind of the council, right? one of the council members or the council or like, one of his attaches, well, Christopher Watkins. He's he's his uh, his middleman. He's okay. the guy who who goes and negotiates with right. Sellers. You meet him with the lawyers and everything, and he knows yeah. those folks. But he so he tries to broker deals and stuff, and he goes to try to broker a deal with the head of one of the big Chinese gangs, like the biggest Chinese right. gang downtown. Yeah, and they have this really cool scene. They have he goes to visit the head of the Italian mafia downtown, and he goes to visit the head of this Chinese gang downtown. Right. And they're both really cool scenes. This one's really nice because the the um, the gang is hiding hiding out in a, in a movie theater or they have built a movie theater in their hideout. One or the other. Right. And they've got a projector running. And they're watching an old black and white movie, which happens to be the original silent Nosferatu. Which I love because, you know, there's no, they didn't have to pay for it. 
And so they they had that going for it. It was a free movie they could use because it was shot so long ago. Um, and but they comment on it and they keep kind of cutting to shots from the movie and you see very clearly the vampire's face Nosferatu's face and his he looks into the camera and you start to realize oh that's the same look I've seen in Christopher Walken's eyes kind of throughout this movie um and it's like I think um just I think just to be I want to be good to all the actors so I think Joey Chin plays the head of the Chinese game yeah and he's amazing. He's fantastic. And scarier than the Italian guy who we'd just been terrified by. You know, his he's just sitting back watching watching old movies in his in his hideout, having a great time. And he tells him he should stay for Frankenstein because they're gonna put that on next. That's a moment that I love too, because it's like we're watching Nosferatu about the guy who comes in and tries- are you being fancy with your pronunciation now? No, I'm probably saying it wrong. Is that I know I I was feeling a little bit like you were schooling me on it, but I don't know no, the correct one. I've heard both, and I was think I was trying to hedge our bets. So you might be saying it right, or I might be saying it right, but at least one of us is saying it right. Um, um, anybody, uh, anybody, anybody know that they can be welcome to welcome to school us, but they'll but they'll do it by just spelling. Uh, but uh, if uh, they really know, they'll just embed it in our minds. They'll right. Be, you know. uh, but what I love is that that we go from talking about from Nosferatu, a movie about the vampire who comes in and tries to take over the city, to the next movie we're going to watch is Frankenstein, about the monster that is created that that is goes out of control. Yeah, and that's just, totally true. Good call. Okay, a good call. yeah, There's a story right yeah. there. Um. I mean, the collection of faces and attitude and character and stuff in this thing is incredible. I was just reading this really, really interesting book on film noir this last week, and it went into the, you know, it was a little heady, a little academic at times, but it was it was pretty cool. And it went into some of the things that are in, that are common to all of this. Um, and this film had it had it all, you know, uh, the the characters who were really really vile who wanted to do something good with their life very common the the moral absolute moral mess that that everything is the completely the morass of it you know there couldn't be anything more kind of noir than that and i think they even did a really great job of even though this is a color film they created a really great noir in like atmosphere and environment i thought the way that they they shot the city yeah. It feels like a black and white movie almost, you know, even though it's quite it's colorful. It's very neon too. Yeah. But David Sorry. Caruso, there's nothing nothing feels black and white about David Caruso's hair. No, that's for sure. It's like he looks his face the whole movie except for his hair and blood. But his face is the face of a 30 star. I mean, he's got that yeah. kind of classic Hollywood movie star face too. Completely. Um Another thing I was there anything else about the the Nosferatu uh, connection? No. Um, I in the original Nosferatu, what's interesting about it is that he's he's not Dracula. He's not a he's not a conniving uh, creature. He's one 
he's one focused. He doesn't think of himself necessarily as evil or bad or a tough guy. Um, hey there. Welcome to the world. My friend Ronnell, who helped me move last week. Oh, that's a good friend. Yeah. That's a rare friend. I have to get I, I'm not, I don't have any friends. Call tomorrow and find out if he still can, if he can move. By okay. comparison, I don't have any friends because that's just <laughs> not something to get involved in. Um, uh, so like, like, you know, <clears throat> he wasn't very much like Dracula, but he really is like Nosferatu in the sense that Walken can't help what he is. He, he's a, he is definitely that version of Dracula of, of, of Nosferatu, which is just animal instinct. He's not, um, consciously trying to do bad. He's just who he is right. as this, he can cast this kind of spell over people and his arrival in town is bad news for everybody. Yeah. For everyone. Another amazing thing that I was just uh, thinking about today, and I'm also, I need to start not saying the word amazing. I've, I've been told that, and I know it about myself. So help me wean off the word, if you could. Well, another spectacular is another amazing word. Or maybe I should just lay back and not be that hyperbolic at all, and just say things are okay. Interesting. <laughs> Um, but the, 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 the thing I took away from this is this is, this whole movie is about performance. It's all about art and performing. I think, think about this, the theme of performance, the first time that, uh, Walken sees his team again, he dances, he, right. he dances for them. There's a lot of going to the theater in this. Yeah. There's a lot of people dancing to music, but like really focused on it, not just as ambiance. There's like long tracking shots of people in in the you know, in the hideout dancing to music and listening to music. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like clothes and showing off and performing performative stuff in how people are enacting the gangster lifestyle, looking at the part is as important to these people kind of as actually being the thing. Um, the fact that his, his whole club is an abandoned nightclub. His hideout is an abandoned nightclub. Right. Um, the, 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 the Chinese gang watching movies in and of itself, um, the long toast at the wedding, which is this incredibly long performance that Caruso gives goes on for like five minutes. This, monologue which is a performance to everybody else in that room um even the the fake out at the italian restaurant walking is performing for those guys for the first two minutes of that scene before right. he kills them. um yeah. i think the list goes on and on but there's something about about how that whole world is built on on show but walken's character is the one who doesn't I mean, he dances and he goes to theater, but he's so reserved. He's not, he's the real thing because he's not into any of the archetypal expected things that these guys do. Everybody else in this movie plays to their cliche, perfect, like in the, in the right way. It's smart, but all the cops are cops the way that those dirty cops right. are. And Walken's team, all those guys, 
you know, they they behave in this really satisfying bad guy way that's like, right. oh, those guys are bad guys. And, you know, that's really cool street, you know, street like shootouts and stuff. It's really cool. Walken doesn't really do any of the expected cool stuff. No, and in fact, the 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 thing that that's what makes him worse and more dangerous than anybody else. Yeah. And it's that great moment in the hospital when he explains to the yeah. head of the Chinese Chen, yeah. why he wants to do this deal with him because we could do something good. We could fund yeah. this hospital. And the Chinese guy decides in that moment, you're the craziest motherfucker I've ever met. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if he says that or something like that, but it's like that's the moment he decides he's really crazy and dangerous is because he he doesn't I can't I don't know you. I can't I understand know what you're going to do. Be able to predict who you I, are. I can't ever. understand your motivations and I can't read your theater. I don't I can't understand your performance. Right. Any of these other characters you'd meet and within two seconds, based on how they dress, how they talk, how they act out, their performance of their character would be like, oh, you're that guy. Right. And you're going to die because that's that way, because that's the problem. Right. Interestingly, of course, Argo's Victor Argo's the only other guy in the movie that doesn't perform. Right. He's completely simple down the, you know, right down the middle, not acting out any cop stuff not acting out any um he's just truly in the moment in the same way that that walken is it's so interesting yeah um i think that there are okay there's two deaths okay this is a very violent movie with some very satisfying you know shootouts and deaths and oh, yeah. murders and Amazing. stuff uh there's two i can't decide which is the most like uh effective in the movie for me to two murders that are just top of top notch just really really good and they're very different but i have two that i love and i can't decide which i like best all right do you oh, have do you have nominations to best murder in uh in oh King i don't i have the the best that i had was scene line and shot my favorite shot in the movie I oh good okay okay What's your favorite scene? Fried chicken. Classic. Classic yeah. scene. Yeah. Good enough to be in a play, you know, good enough, smart yeah. enough writing to be theater. Yeah. Great writing in that scene. And 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 Fishburne just knocks it out of the park. Should Turns we out. Yeah, let's do the clip. All right, here we go. Fried chicken. Shrimp, uh, some onion rings, 
You want tartar sauce or ketchup on those, man? I want tartar sauce. You got any uh, potato salad? No, we ain't got no potato salad. Look, get away from the games, all right? You ain't got no money. Just get away from the games, all right? Doesn't matter what you talking about. You ain't got no money, man. Yo, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Make sure you get my food. Get it now. And don't be drooling on it, man. And I better not get none of that cat. I want chicken. Here, y'all. No offense, man. Uh, but you make sure they get what they want, eh? Now, go ahead, go ahead. Y'all go play them games, here. Yeah? Play them games. Here, baby. Okay, go play the games. Go ahead. Yo, what's happening with the food, man? What's up? I ain't got all day, man. It's gonna be 56.70 total. Did I say I was finished? I want something to drink. Maybe I want some birch beer. You got birch beer? No, we don't have no birch beer. I don't even know what that shit is. You got any root beer? No, we ain't got no root beer. Yeah, well, how much is this? 56.90. 56.90? Fuck you very much. Hey, scumbag, guess what? You're under arrest. You're under arrest, you motherfucker. How about that? Jimmy. You're under arrest for the murder of Miguel Mata, Salvador Tito, and Rafael Santa Domingo. You have the right to remain silent, so shut the fuck up. What's this, huh? Did you use this on motor? Yeah, that's right. Same one I'm gonna use on you, punk. Huh. Come now, motherfucker, but for the rest of your life, you're gonna be somebody's bitch. Some motherfucker named Buff. But you've done your motherfucking throat! You slap me again, motherfucker. I'm gonna slap the black off. Take the cuffs off, motherfucker. Yeah, you got motherfucking ass all over this fucking place. This is the happiest day of my life. You know why? Because we got a real live talking witness. I don't need no witnesses! Oh, yeah, motherfucker. Well, you must be getting old. Get you fucking black man. I'm gonna fuck you up. It's stuff like that. I, I really don't know why. I can't understand why Abel Ferrara isn't the more famous, famous household name. Yeah, that's a spectacular I mean, Fishburne, Fish, Fishburne went on to be a very famous dude. Everybody knows him from stuff. But they don't know him enough from this. I mean, everybody knows The Matrix and later stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, if anybody can get anything out of this show, it'd be going back to see some early Fishburne stuff because him and this, and uh, did you ever see that movie he did with Jeff Goldblum called, um, oh, another movie I love and I can't remember what it's called now. It's similar. Uh, it is called, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Well, while you're looking for it, I want to jump back to something that you were talking about, which is that performance aspect. Yeah. And you really see it in this scene where he's doing all this stuff, talking to the guy behind the counter, and he's got this character that he's in, and then he turns around to talk to the grandmother. And he's he's almost embarrassed by the performance that he's given. Yeah. He becomes a completely different person. It's not just, it's like no effect. He dropped the whole thing. And we see, we see somebody who was once upon a time, one of those little kids who didn't have enough money to, to even play a video game. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that's really striking about this movie is like, like I said, it's got, it's, it's got a heart in there. You know, you don't, expect it from a violent movie that's this rough um and it's rough there's a lot of murder it's filthy there's incredible like filth in it like it's it's swearing and 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 language i hope 
I hope mom isn't listening to this podcast. I think she is. But I um, know she is because I can hear it on a slight delay. Oh, that's really weird. Um, we're sorry, mom. That, we don't really moment, watch things like this. That moment with the kids. You're right. You know, he. There's such. There's such. Um, and it, and he, and Abel Ferrero really takes the time to have that scene with the grandmother, and you see her react, and you see her thinking for a second, what's going on here? Like, should I take this money? But I got to take the money because I, I, I need the money. But these kids and the, and the happiness that it, it's like this real scene that happens. It's not and it's spectacular, like you were talking about a small part, spectacular performance from the grandmother, no lines. And from uh, who it, it should be said, the guy who plays the counter worker at the restaurant oh, is all I, don't, I was trying to look for his name and I, I can't find the character name. I don't know who he was, but I found his name and looked him up. He did a little other stuff. He did, he did some other stuff. But well, bravo again. to that guy's day's work because he's also working against like Fishburn coming on really strong and yeah. he held his own. He was he was really good. Really. Also, what a great location for that scene. I mean, everything about that's working perfectly which is what abel ferrer was able to do was going to marshal all these little, these elements together yeah but that location was worthy of like a tarantino movie with with 30 more million dollars than they had to make this yep um use of space in this is great i mean i i really i really i really do uh, think this movie's got it it's really got it um favorite line of dialogue um, it, it's a toss-up for me. Who'd want to see you in a cage, man? Mm. Is a great moment. I never killed anybody that didn't deserve it. But the winner for me might have to go to, and it ties into the scene we just watched because Wesley Snipes asked him about the, is this the gun you use to kill those guys? And he says, no, it's the same gun I'm going to use to you. I'm going to use to shoot you motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the end, when it's the face off between Wesley Snipes and Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne yells out, Hey, uh, no, no. Uh, Wesley Snipes is looking for, um, for uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and he says, "Hey Jimmy, guess what? I got a piece of chicken here, you chickeny motherfucker." That was Snipes. I remember that. I remember that. Hey Jimmy, guess what? Yeah. Trying to get him to come out from hiding. You know, I mean, Snipes is really good in this too, in in a kind of a thankless part. Like he doesn't. Caruso gets all the bravura stuff in this yeah, movie. Yeah. And Snipes doesn't get enough to do. I, I actually thought he got a little short changed because when he yeah. shows up, when he gets stuff to do in this, he's really good. And he also, it's interesting. I think he already had a bigger career than than a lot of these folks did at the time he made this movie. Like he was a bigger name when this came out than uh, than I'd remember. Um, I think I have a favorite line of dialogue that's different than any of those, although those are all fantastic. What is it? Don't worry, don't move. You remember it? 
It's the awful, awful moment. Oh, he yeah, when he, when he's got the gun to the woman's he head. Pulls, he pulls this poor woman as a, over across a subway car to, to be a hostage, and he puts a gun to her head. Yeah. And it's it's an amazing moment because up until that time, I mean, that's kind of the thing that proves that, oh, he's actually, he's not, he doesn't want to build a hospital because he's a good guy. He wants to build a hospital because he wants everybody to think he's the kind of guy that builds a hospital. Yeah. But he also is the kind of guy that to save his own ass will grab a hostage on a train and put a gun to her head, like without any thought to it. Yeah. And he turns to her and he says, she's screaming and obviously yeah. she's terrified and he goes don't worry he's like very comforting don't worry don't move <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's um, um could have been his own line i, I got a couple of, i have i have as usual my long ran list of random tiny things that oh, i yeah, okay um, I, love, I love the list of tiny things the list of tiny things S- I want to give a shout out to a spectacular loop group in this movie. Yeah. Right. The, the voices, the stuff going on, you know, coming by our heads in the street or in the spectacular. You know what? That's a really good point. And and if anybody's listening and doesn't know what a loop group is, can you explain what that is? Yeah. And if if Tony, if, if we're shooting a scene where Tony and I are walking down the street and there's lots of people doing all kinds of stuff on the street and rapping or two guys on the corner, having a conversation and all kinds of stuff going on. When we shoot that scene, all of those people are going to be going like this. And there will be absolutely no sound at all. They might not be moving that way, but they won't be talking. <laughs> They'll move in different ways depending on the character that they're playing. Yeah, but, yeah. but there's lots of movement and you know, and, uh, you know, like like I worked on a scene in 100 Center Street once at the Christmas party, and I spent two days with with a wonderful actor, um, uh, Dennis Butsikaris. Yes, but, but we didn't have storylines at the time. So we spent two days with drinks in our hands, looking at each other, going like this. And every once in a while, Dennis would say, I'm going to kill myself, <laughs> you know, because we were, we, you know. but a loop group is a group of actors who do a lot of improv and stuff. And they come into a studio and they watch the scene and they fill all that sound in. And the director of the loop group watches the scene and says, you know, okay, Bob and Nancy, I want you to come up with something for that couple having the argument on the corner. And they build all that sound and then a mixer mixes it so that it pops up and in and out at times. But that sound editing and loop and loop group work in this movie is insane. It builds the atmosphere in which a lot of this movie lives very good and very good and from a production standpoint also impressive because they didn't have a ton of money to make this movie they probably didn't have very much money for a loop room like they probably were saving some bucks on an indie movie from 1990 right so you also had a movie that in my experience with loop groups they if you, you covering a lot of ground is very difficult if your story takes place in one neighborhood or one kind of location, all the all the chatter, all the loop group stuff will be the same kind of stuff. 
this movie changes location all over the city. Yeah, um, you've got you've got Queens and Brooklyn, you've got you've got the projects, you've got the Plaza Hotel, you've got big events with the mayor and show business yeah. stuff, you've got Chinatown, and all these places have different different languages being spoken, different yeah. dialects, different attitudes, different. It's really amazing when you think about all the work that goes into post that a lot of people don't think actually happens. But you're right. Great, great PR, great loop group. Great design. Yeah. Uh, another thing, very trivial, the shootout in Ch in Chinatown takes place on Doyer Street. Yes, it does. The Bloody Angle. The Bloody Angle. Trivia, one of the very few streets in Manhattan where you can stand at one end of it and you can't see the other end of it because the street curves. Yeah. It's in a lot of movies and yeah. a lot of music videos because of that. And there's a lot of cool neon on that street yeah. too. And that um, barber shop is is very famous. That, mm -hmm. that uh, um, other little the actual the actual location of some real gangs of New York stuff back in the eighteen like early eighteen late seventeen hundreds early eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's called the Bloody Angle because I think one of the biggest gang turf wars that ever happened in New York happened there. I think so. Yeah. yeah um shout out to uh alex tavalaris who did the production design hey yeah spectacular uh frank aquilino who's the card player in the italian mob scene who has no lines or a line and yet for some reason had me scurrying to imdb to think i know i've seen this guy and other stuff and now i think that black hair yeah yeah he's great it was spectacular uh pete hamill we talked about jay julian who was only in like three or four movies but he's the older lawyer the the who works for uh for frank white the oh, guy okay. at fancy restaurant uh, spectacular he was in king of comedy but yeah. he, he didn't work very much. And also just a shout out to Silver Cup Studios, which appears. That has a beautiful shot. One of little Cup. shot in the movie goes yeah. by the Silver Cup that. sign. I he love He also that. appeared in. Great. Um, Highlander. Oh my God! How can I forget the that? Silver Cup fight. Oh, I feel so stupid right now, Matthew. You made me look bad on the show. <laughs> I should know my Highlander reference. Yeah, Highlander, come on. Um, favorite shot. What's your favorite shot in the movie? Favorite shot. I have a lot of shots that I love a lot in this movie. This movie's shot in a way I just particularly like. Um, I'm going to have an honorable mention of Vic Argo's death because I think that shot of him dying is one of my two um favorite deaths in the movie mm -hmm. he gives one of the best death moments that's a great moment. death moment um he just gets hit in the chest then falls down kind of slowly on the subway but the angle of the camera and the how long it takes for him to die it's it's really effective um i love that shot uh i think the best shot of the movie really is the shot of chris walking looking out at the city with the city superimposed with the reflection of the city in his face. Um, it's the poster of the film, and it, in this case, is actually great 
in and of itself because it also becomes another it be, it's it's a shot that it goes on for a while and has several images in it that are amazing which one when does this happen it's right before he meets Lawrence Fishburne and the gang again and they oh, come to the okay. plaza it's at the plaza and he's looking out the window and you see the city these blue reflections in his face and he's just kind of dead and he's looking at the city oh. and then the camera kind of pulls back and then it pulls back in as the gang arrives and they all come into the plaza and you don't know at first if they're who they are like do they know him is there going to be a problem or there's going to be another shootout and then they become you realize oh they're friends but that shot i just love my favorite but, shot is um when paul calderon is getting killed and he 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 lee he says you know do whatever you know do whatever he says goodbye to paul calderon leaves him to be killed by the guy i forget what he says to them but he walks up to a window oh and he yeah. frames the window looking across the river at the empire state building yeah and and that idea of that that is even though not, even though it's not the tallest building in new york at the time it is still in our minds and associated with with that is the Empire State Building. It, it is yes, and it's a, and it's a John Ford reference. Yeah, and it's and it's you know that's actually what I be, that's where I want to be, and I'm not there. Interesting that it's called the King of New York, but all of his stuff is all about Queens and 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 Brooklyn. Yeah, and he never quite makes it to New York. It's like you, he's always looking at it, you know, wanting to own it, but he never quite does. Until spoiler alert, he dies. Yep. In Times Square. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really something, and in that way, like mirrors the end of that famous Cagney movie where he dies on the front steps of the church at the end of the film. I think right. it's is it Public Enemy? I think so. I think it's Public Enemy where he has an incredibly famous death scene. And it's that kind of iconic moment. Um, best death, though, in the movie? I'm sorry. Hands down. It's the new It's the new young husband. Ow! He has the most brutal... That's one of the most effective deaths in a movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's up there with the... What was the the... the movie that came out two years ago the horror movie where the little girl gets killed because she's sticking her head out the window of the car uh oh hereditary hereditary it's yep. it, it's that it's that kind of death he gets hereditary and holy moly and yeah. it's all sold with the sound effect it happens in darkness you don't see really what's yeah. happening at all but he's hanging on to the side of a car door and Lawrence Fishburne is, is trying to get him off the car as they're driving like 70 miles an hour down a street in the middle of the night in Harlem somewhere and it's raining and he just shoves the door open just as they're going by a fire hydrant and the, we cut around to the front of the car and we just see him get left behind as the Boom. car keeps coming and you just hear clank. Yeah. Really rough. Really, yeah. really well done. You can see the guy who did the, the uh, foley just a big slap and a big steak on a yep. counter. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and get a marble slab and a piece of steak. Let's, yeah. let's do it. For people who know what Foley is, it's the people who put those kinds of sound effects in. Like, hmm, what would sound like a guy? Yeah. 
running at 60 miles an hour into headfirst into a fire hydrant. You know, he's credited with uh, really being the first filmmaker to start that in, in earnest sound effect design that way. Foley work like for specific crunches and things like that. Somebody no. named Foley? No. Uh, Kurosawa. Really? Yeah. His samurai movies were some of the first that were using individually tailor-made sounds of knives going into different kinds of vegetables or chickens or things like that. Yeah. There's wow. famous story. There's famous stories about him having a sound guy line up many different kinds of melons on a table and he has a sword and he just has a microphone and he hacks up each one of them and he's like, it's the cassava. <laughs> oh, go with the cassava. <laughs> Wow. Mm -hmm. Do we need to talk at all about the lyrics to the song? Maybe we better not. The No, the lyrics to the song that the guy sings at the event raising the money for the... Oh, the theater thing that they... Oh, oh, for the, for the hospital. hospital. Uh, please enlighten me. I wasn't... Uh... It's actually a, a lovely song. I mean, it's... Well, he's it's, a great singer, right? He must be a well-known guy, yeah. I would think. Um, and the lyrics to the song, which is a beautiful song. All my life, I've been waiting for a time when I'd be free. How I prayed for liberation and a little bit of dignity. I heard the heartbeat of the city, how it pounded and it sounded in the night. The children's voices were so pretty. I'm going to reach it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it all right. Dream on for a better day where we can live our lives and our hopes won't fade away. Dream on for a better day, for a better way. We'll join our hands together and build a brand new day. Dream on. That's Aerosmith, isn't it? It is. It's Aerosmith, yeah. Um, no, but it, 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 it's almost like it's a little hint into his past perhaps, or where he comes from or what he's and what he's trying to do. It sounds like the song he's singing himself. Yeah. Like in prison when he's trying to, you know, because I do firmly believe that this movie is too, it's, it's too street smart. For, uh, for it to try to make us think that Frank's actually a good person. Like, I don't think he's a good person, but, but the story I make up <laughs> about him is that from, from, an, from whatever background that damaged him, it turned him into that. Similarly to whatever background damaged, no? Well, you the thing is, though, it's not on screen. You're, this is all inference. We're, we're again, we're told nothing specifically, nothing about him. We really specifically don't know if he comes from New York or not. We don't specifically know what neighborhood he comes from. We don't specifically know why he feels more comfortable with an entirely black crew than not. That's none of it's explained to us. Right. We just make up stories, but at the end of the day we're only left with his actions, which we have to sift through and parse. Yes. And I'm left feeling that 
the, the gritty, dark, noir part of this that I think is really great is that that instead of it being like, we don't really see Frank, we see a lot of this is the song he wants to sing about himself. He wants people to sing about himself. You're right. And it, and when it doesn't look like it's going to get sung that way, he's willing to kill one of the people that would most benefit from the hospital he's trying to build. Some poor, you know, some, some poor person on a subway who's just trying to get home and, you know, probably, you know, they're not a, they live in a rough neighborhood, just like this hospital's from. And he's completely willing to, to, to kill them, to completely disregard their life for his own, should that be the case. And he specifically picks a, a woman and he specifically picks a black woman to do that to, which is shocking and also reflective of what he actually might actually be which right. is none of the things he's saying to other people that he wants. Right. I don't know. It's I love that it's very, very ambiguous. I, I, I think it's really open to a lot of interpretation too, but um, it doesn't let anybody off the hook. It's very tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe arguably it could have improved a slightly I mean, the, the, the women characters do get short shrift in this a little bit. And, um, well, I, the, the, the woman who's his lawyer, she, she has a part, but she doesn't have, you know, no, but what I'm saying is like, we don't, like what a cipher, like that she is clearly a well-educated, powerful, smart attorney. Yeah, who's with this nut job? And we don't know why, which is wonderful. And Another why it really help, it, it supports that Nosferatu reference. Like those women that surround him, the lawyers are like yeah. are like Dracula's. You know, um, I forget what they he calls them. They're the they're the sirens that he that attend to Dracula that he always has around him. These yeah. vampire women, you know. So many interesting things to talk about in this movie, um, and and I gotta say I love that it it's it's really kind of got a lot of art movie qualities, but it it just it's it's like no I'm a gangster movie, and it just it just yeah. delivers the goods on being a on being an excellent fun you know violent like late night gangster movie, and, and the, end, the end of him you know where he's dying. And the the cops are like rats coming out of a sewer. All you know, there's yeah. no that he's alone and and yeah. and big and powerful. And the cops are little, you know, just scurrying, scared, scurrying rats. Yeah, yeah, true. And he has this real moment. It's almost like this weird epic operatic death that's quiet but him alone in that cab it's kind of luxurious you know and um Shout out to the cabbie man yeah he sees the gun and he's like i am out of here but i love the fact that he sees him and he knows it's frank white first yeah you know he recognizes him and he's like oh my god frank white's in my cab yeah and then he sees the gun and he's like it's frank white with a gun i'm gonna i'm gonna go <laughs> so good
Um, that's all I got on it. Yeah, that's what I got too. You know, I I really it make this definitely makes me want to do some more research on it just for my own because I I feel I felt like I want to I want to read some articles about this. I want to I want to read interviews with Abel Ferrara about this movie because um, uh, I've always really liked him, but this kind of revisiting this, uh, I, I I just think his work is just it's so it's so tight and so reminiscent of the great kind of low budget noir gangster stuff from the 50s and the 40s that I, I really love. So um, I'm glad we picked this one. Yeah, me too. We don't know what we're doing next week. We have many options, but we're trying to we're trying to figure out perhaps a, a guest or not, right? And don't yeah. know. Yeah, we're you know, talking to a few different people about being guests on the show next week, so that will depend on what movie we pick. Will depend on on how that works out. Yeah. But please uh, spread the word about the show. Uh, subscribe. Click the bell icon when you do so that uh, you'll get notifications of the upcoming live streams. Um, and, uh, you know, let your friends know about it. Um, um, in, in the meantime, and you're back in New York right now, where can people find you uh, online if they're looking for other things of yours if they come oh, across? Uh, I, uh, yes, because I skipped a week of, uh, I had this other show on Mondays at 5 uh, Pacific, 8 Eastern. Tips and techniques for actors, authors, and storytellers. Um, I don't know who I'm going to have on this coming Monday, but uh, there will be somebody. But again, if you subscribe to this channel, you will get notifications of all of the upcoming live streams, both on this show and the other show. If you just go to Matthew Arkin Studio on YouTube, you'll see everything that we do. Um, and uh, you have something else going on too, right? Um, right now, well, uh, I do actually, there's a, sh there's a, a short film that I, that I was a part of making, um, last year, actually just re pretty about eight, nine months ago, we did it pretty quickly. Um, and we just played it at, at Fantasia Fest in Montreal and we got into a couple of other festivals. It's a little short called, uh, um, you wouldn't understand. It and, can't be seen um, online though yet. It's not available online right now. But it will be at some point, and um, I'm just uh, I'm just really excited because it got a good reception, and um, right now there's not a ton of stuff going on for us actors and and uh, showbiz folks. So really, um, I'm you're working yeah, like crazy. Great. I'm like, okay. Just can't stop. Uh, can't wait to hear all about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was nice to get a little little love, you know, a little feedback on this project. It's something yeah. I'm very, very proud of. That's um, great. Other than that, you know, uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Clem Torment or just my name, because you can also just look for somebody's name on Instagram and you don't have to. Use the picture <laughs> um, and I have uh, pretty much some daily posts or something on there. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so happy you're in New York. I'm glad you're safe. And here. I'm glad that we are not seeing each other from much more nearby. It uh, feels no different, but <laughs> um, but with I'm glad you guys are, are keeping each other company. That's yeah, really great. Really yeah. Being here with mom. And uh, I will talk to you during the week, and we'll see you next week, I hope. Yep. Spread the word about the show, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, 
We'll talk to you all very soon. Watch some good movies. Good night. Good night. Oh, hey, and we got to tell people to go to our website. Right, because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah, there's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a t-shirt, there's a, a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out. Stuff is coming up too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah. So check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.